Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today is our deep dive into part, no, <laughs> episode two, Twin Peaks. Yes, <laughs> episode two. We'll get into the numbering in a minute, but um, we also have a special guest. Yes. He's joining us again, our first crossover guest from a Jane Austen to a David Lynch, <laughs> Andrew Piazzo. Hey! <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Yes, no and I problem. felt really bad because on your last episode, I didn't give you a proper introduction or <laughs> let you introduce yourself. So why don't you introduce yourself to everyone properly this time? <laughs> hey, everybody. My name is Andrew Piezzo. Um, this is, yeah, this is my first crossover um, into the David Lynch world. I'm introducing you to both well, David Lynch and Jane Austen, right? Well, true. you had read Pride and Prejudice, but other than that. Yeah, but to the level of you two... No, um, but this is my first crossover uh, into David Lynch podcast territory. I did watch Eraserhead. Still, so many questions, so many questions. Um, but now with Twin Peaks, there's even more questions. So, do we get any of these answers, or is it just more and more questions as we? Yes. We get answers. We get new questions. We get answers to those questions. We get new questions. Twin Peaks pretty much always leaves you on a question, though. <laughs> All right, I'm here for it. Yeah, should we just talk slightly about the numbering? Because, yeah. okay, what we're going to do for the podcast when we label them for, you know, consumption in the world, we're just going to number this one as episode two, because if a new person was getting into Twin Peaks, they'd probably look it up on Hulu or Netflix, and it would be listed as episode two. Right. Even though officially it is titled episode one. <laughs> so Sounds it's very confusing silly. but i don't want it to be like confusing for the whole entire rest of the series so just for the sake of keeping everyone's sanity we're just going to call it episode <laughs> two even though it's technically episode one <laughs> all right so yes it was titled episode one but <laughs> It has another title, which I think was added for some sort of DVD or VHS release or something. Uh-huh. So it was called Traces to Nowhere, this episode. Oh. It's a good episode title. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written by Lin- Mark <laughs> Mark Frost and David Lynch, <laughs> directed by Dwayne Dunham, who we mentioned in the last episode because he edited the pilot. Okay. And then I went back and found out that he also edited Blue Velvet. Oh, wow. So I've got a history. Yeah. Um, some of the people who were not in the last one who, oh yeah, he was, never mind. I'm sorry. I was getting confused with the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Some of the, um, the cast that I didn't mention in the last one, we had Al Strobel as the one armed, one armed man who we only get like a slight glimpse of in this episode right. and Frank Silva as Bob, although we don't even know his <laughs> name yet mm. <laughs> and we Chills. only get a glimpse of him too. Too much. Dwayne Dunham. <laughs> He had edited the pilot, and then he asked Lynch if he had any projects coming up, and Lynch said he wanted him to direct Wild at Heart, his next movie, but it wasn't, you know, ready yet Mm -hmm. to hire people. I don't even know if he had written it yet. He just knew he wanted to do it. But too much time passed between this conversation and um, 
he took another job. One week is how much time passed. It's <laughs> uh, a long time. I'll say between the time he was like, uh, I want you to do this movie, but it's not ready. He was like, okay, well, I'll get another job. And one week later, he had written it. So Of course. <laughs> of course. From what I understand. Maybe when we get to Wild at Heart, there'll be a little more to that story. But So anyway, he had this other editing job, and he said he didn't want to leave an editing job to do another editing job because it just seemed rude. So um, to help him justify leaving his current job, Lynch asked him to direct this episode because he had really wanted to direct and everyone knew it. So he's like, well, if you offer me a directing job, <laughs> I can easily just say, no, I want to direct. So he did. <laughs> hmm. He finished principal photography for this episode on the same day that Lynch finished filming Wild at Heart. Wow. wow. Isn't that crazy? Wow. <laughs> crazy. So um, Denham used several stylistic elements in his direction that he had observed in David Lynch's work on the pilot, including largely static camera work, describing the result as like a framed picture. So maybe that's where ah, I got it from. The whole everything looks like a picture. Yeah. Mm. He also used um, the reddish color tints with like coral filters and also carefully selected props and costumes to obtain this coloring. Mm-hmm. And the tent was considered important enough that Lynch sent a representative to the network to ensure that they understood it was deliberate and not a mistake for fear that they might correct the saturation to be more realistic before broadcasting it. I think mm. it looks fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I always think of it with that like coral hue and mm-hmm. I guess I kind of in my mind feels like a nostalgic color, but I didn't realize that was oh specifically just for this show that they really wanted right. this. Yeah, particular. I wouldn't have picked up on that. Yeah. It gives me like an old like soapy feel. Yeah. Too, cause, like, like, yeah. The Vaseline over the camera. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it gives me. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they're really going for that feel. You yeah. Know? I think I really that's like something they're going for. So he was also responsible for the introduction of the sexual rapport between Audrey and Cooper. Mm. Um, he thought it would benefit both characters <laughs> to have <laughs> that. A weird underlying thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely come back to that because there was some controversy later on. Anyway, but um, he was the one who introduced it in the first place. He called the central mystery of Laura's death a MacGuffin to compel the real focus, which he saw as the interactions of the large ensemble cast. (laughs) So to that end, he took care to introduce meaningful interactions between the characters whenever possible. And this episode really is chock full of them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Agreed. And he also spent time with each of the cast to help them develop their characters. Because it had been like a year since the pilot had been shot. So, oh, yeah. okay. This is also the first appearance of Bob, not yet <sighs> identified in the series, Yuck. played by Frank Silva. He was the art director. Oh, and right. he was accidentally caught on camera in the pilot, which was not in the pilot. We saw that was only in the international version. And Lynch was so pleased with the result that he decided to include Silva in the cast from then on. <laughs> That's so crazy. Wow. And it was first broadcast on April 12th, 1990. It was initially seen by 14.9 million households, or 27% of the available audience. Wow. Okay. Um, it placed second in its time slot behind Cheers. Oh, wow. Yeah, which I was thinking, my mom must have been so conflicted if it came out at the same time as Cheers, because I know she loved Cheers, but I know she watched this show. Sophie's Choice. <laughs> well, like, we probably recorded something. We would, were always recording stuff on the VCR. <laughs> so also the Log Lady intro mm-hmm. for this episode, she says that she carries a log, and yes, 
it is funny to you, but it's not to her. (laughs) (laughs) She says that behind all things are reasons. Reasons can even explain the absurd. Do we have time to learn the reasons of human behavior? I think not. (laughs) (laughs) And then she says, take some time, detectives. Watch and see what life teaches. So cryptic. (laughs) I cannot wait to find out more about Log Lady. We're all detectives trying to find the reasons that people do things. Yeah, she's profound. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you keep saying. I'm intrigued. Log Lady has me intrigued. Believe in the Log Lady. Believe in the Log Lady. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into the recap. shorter title sequence this time than Mm -hmm. the pilot we don't have so many lumber mill shots (laughs) (laughs) and we start inside the great northern and we see um a gun and an fbi badge on a side table and then we pan up the wall and there's a like a rifle being held up by deer hooves i'm like what kind of decoration is this for a hotel you just put a gun on the wall (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> an old musket it's got a real hunting aesthetic <laughs> two little who's yeah it's supposed to make you feel comfortable yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> so as we're panning across all this we hear cooper talking to diane and we pan over to him suspended upside down in his boxers and a tank top with like suspenders on his legs <laughs> and he's saying to diane that you know it's six eighteen a.m he's glad there's no smoking it in this room <laughs> um <laughs> can smell the douglas firs in the air it's clean and reasonably priced his most important considerations <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he talks about someplace he stayed in el paso that must have had some huge lumps in the bed because he's like i've told this story before <laughs> those were horrible <laughs> she was probably like here he goes <laughs> <laughs> oh the lumpy bed in el paso again <laughs> so then he dismounts and his voice goes down like three octaves I don't know if you noticed. He's upside down. He's like, Diane. And then he stands up. He's like, Diane. (laughs) (laughs) He says, two things trouble him. What really went down with Marilyn Monroe and the Kennedys? And who pulled the trigger on JFK? (laughs) I almost feel like we don't care that much anymore about that. I mean, it was such a big, like, conspiracy theory. But other things have surpassed it. (laughs) (laughs) See, modern day stuff is a little scary. So then he goes down to get coffee. And he um, drinks it as if the woman bringing the coffee is a sommelier and the coffee is a cup of wine because <laughs> he sniffs it first. He wait, makes her wait. Wait, let me taste it. And then he says, that was a damn fine cup of coffee. <laughs> he said, excuse me. <laughs> it was a, excuse me, damn fine. <laughs> but she didn't say anything after that either. Like no, she, she just knew. put the whole pot down yeah, on the she... table. Like, <laughs> didn't say All one right. word. Not thank she you. She was probably like, here you go, weirdo. <laughs> and then he gives his order, which is like the hardest of eggs and burned bacon. Cremated burned bacon, which I don't no. understand mm-hmm. why you would bother if it's burnt. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Audrey Horde walks in. Queen Audrey. Instant chemistry. She sits with him. And I've always, always wanted the sweater that she's wearing in this scene. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like white with trees on it. Every time I see it, I'm like, 
She's got great I style. I tried to look up, look it up once just to see if there were any comparable sweaters, and I couldn't find anything. Nothing. <laughs> That's dang. <laughs> nope. I guess I have to get a time machine to find that one. <laughs> <laughs> steal it from Seth. They talk about how she knew Laura because she, um, Laura tutored her brother, Johnny, who we met in the pilot. Right. He has emotional problems, she says. And then she says it runs in the family. Mm. <laughs> Shocker. Yikes. Maybe to herself sometimes. <laughs> and then she says that sometimes she gets flushed. Isn't that interesting? And she, <laughs> she wonders if Cooper's palms ever itch. And I was thinking, is, I think when your palms itch, doesn't that mean you're going to get money soon? <laughs> oh. Or does it mean someone's thinking of you? No, that's your ears are burning. No, oh. that's, yeah. that's talking about you. Well, yeah, I always thought it was money. So many things. I'm sexual to Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go to the sheriff's office. Office. <laughs> Cooper comes in, and every single person in the <laughs> office's mouth are stuffed with donuts. Say, they're all double fisting donuts. <laughs> <laughs> We're all talking like. <laughs> There's boxes everywhere. Boxes of donuts everywhere. Oh my god! So many piles of boxes of donuts. Like, show me the donut budget. <laughs> I actually brought donuts today because I was like, "Yes, I'm not gonna make that mistake." <laughs> I need to see the budget. <laughs> While Harry has a giant mouthful of donut, like giant, it was he ate half a donut. <laughs> Why would he bite. do this? <laughs> um, he tells Harry all the stuff that they're gonna do today. I got this whole list planned out for us, <laughs> but first he has to urinate. <laughs> which I don't know if that might relate to something long in the future, but I mean, not relate, relate, but it's just like, oh, a little, a little ping went off in my head. And then, uh, yeah, he has to urinate, but Harry has to swallow his donut. Swallow <laughs> the mass of donut. Which takes some effort. Okay, then Doc Hayward comes in, and he explains that he couldn't do the autopsy himself because he just couldn't bring himself to do it. So he just assisted the time of her death was between 12 and 4 a.m., which I was going to say was today, but I guess it would actually have been the 24th, but the 23rd oh. was the last day she was alive, and today is the 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> Not to date ourselves. This is probably going to come out a few weeks later, but he's explaining that she died from loss of blood, but no specific wound, just a lot of shallow wounds, which is horrible. Yeah. She has bite marks on her shoulder and tongue, which he presumes were self-inflicted. Her, she has lesions from being bound, and she had sex with at least three men in the last 12 hours. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant, like, <laughs> obviously, like, I don't think it was voluntary. <laughs> well, <laughs> Some we will definitely, we'll get to Firewalk with me, and we'll see the entire, like, last Ordeal. week of her life, so... Ugh. Hmm. We'll see what was going on. So Ronette was definitely there, but um, who knows if she'll ever be able to give any sort of testimony because she's still... At the brain injury. Yeah. So then we go to outside the Johnson's house, and Shelly is saying that she cleaned Leo's boots and did the laundry, but he has some more work for her to do before she goes to actual work. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's such a dick. He is. He's <laughs> awful. I hate him. He's the worst. <laughs> so she goes to start uh, a load of his truck laundry and sees blood on one of his shirts. And she hides it really fast. And then he pinches her cheek very aggressively. 
and stretches her skin a mile away from her face. <laughs> I mean, that's how you show somebody you love them. By, <laughs> by just, tearing the yeah, skin Yeah, stretching their skin. Yeah. <laughs> stretching it out as far as you can. I don't have that kind of skin. You could not possibly do that Me to neither. my face. <laughs> Who does? It was so I've known a couple out. people with like really weirdly thin Elastic skin. skin. <laughs> no. But it just adds to his creepy douche character. He's oh. awful. You know? Yeah. I just think about like all the true crime podcasts that I listen to and all the truckers that end up being serial killers and he just <laughs> kind of fits the theme. Oh, for sure. And it makes me feel really bad like Shelly must have the worst home life. I mean, oh, worst sure. family life because it's like she, she can't escape, you know? Yeah, it mm. seems so normal to her. Yeah. It's sad. So we go back to the police station. They're questioning James. He admits to having shot the video. He says Laura wanted to keep their relationship a secret. It was her who wanted to keep it a secret. He knew that she used cocaine and tried to get her to stop, and she had for a little while, but something happened a few days ago, and she wouldn't talk to him after that. Hmm. Yeah, so something happened a few days ago. She wouldn't talk to him about it after that. So she snuck out on the night before her death, or the night of her death, and rode around with James, Apparently from like 9.30 to 12.30 is what he says. Good Lord. Which I feel like that's a really long time for someone to like break up with you. Yeah. And um, <laughs> then she jumped off his bike and basically broke up with him. And Dale wants to know what happened on February 5th and who has the other half of the heart necklace. Da, da, da. And then James has like a memory of what happened that I assumed that day. And it was the day she knew that he loved her, and it made her so happy. And she gave him the necklace. Mm -hmm. Very uh, 80s moment. Yeah, she's oh, got yeah. such a, like, little girl high voice in that particular clip. Yes. <laughs> Very much. So then we see Leo frantically looking for his shirt. Just a little. Uh. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Murder shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we go to the jail. Well, I don't know if it's a jail, just a holding cell. <laughs> Mike calls Bobby Bopper. <laughs> hey, Bopper. <laughs> it's like, okay. In my head, I like to That's think like of it. That's like when they called each other when they were eight. <laughs> yeah, or maybe as like some sort of like affectionate term for each other because they're such good friends. I mean, I'm sure it is affectionate, but it's just funny. If they weren't just like complete assholes, then I'd be like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> hey, bopper. Oh, it's <laughs> so he, sweet. He wants to know why Leo called his parents' house. That's ominous. Mm. <laughs> Can you imagine if you were a teenager and your parents got a call from someone like Leo Johnson looking for you? An adult. Yeah. <laughs> he was looking for the other half of his money. Leo was. Mm -hmm. And Bobby calls Mike Snake. That's his. <laughs> <laughs> bopper and Snake. Snake and the Bopper. <laughs> Where's the spinoff? <laughs> um, Bobby gave Leo half of the money um, the night Laura died. And Laura had the rest. And then James uh. comes in and they have another staring contest. <laughs> <laughs> a good, a good 30-second stare down i mean i know it's supposed to be somewhat menacing but bobby is just such a dork <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay these children need therapy yeah and then we have a really kind of crazy little interstitial scene where we have a clip from the picnic and it slows down on the close-up of laura and you can hear her saying help me but like in a really low slowed down voice mm -hmm. then we're at donna's house and she's talking to her mom 
And her mom's like, oh, the sheriff called. They don't really need to see you this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, she woke up crying in her sleep that night. Hmm. Yet she feels like she's having the most beautiful dream. (laughs) (laughs) And the most terrible nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, and the most terrible nightmare. Donna talks to James about, or no, Donna talks about how James and her are falling in love with each other. And she feels like she betrayed her best friend. So why is she so happy? Because you're psycho. I mean, I feel like, girl, you got a lot of emotions. You need to go to therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Get those emotions out. So much angst. Maybe you and James will be good for each other, but spoilers. Okay. (laughs) They're both both very emotional people. Yeah. I mean, both of them are like, we're the two closest people to Laura. And, you know, from my perspective, I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea. So, um, Harry and Cooper talk to Ed, or I guess maybe it's just Harry, but he wants James to be released to him. Um, Cooper warns that Mike and Bobby are getting out today, too, so you better watch his back. And then Coop gets a call from Albert, who I'm so excited for us to meet in the next episode. (laughs) And Lucy's very concerned because the line sounds like wind blowing through the trees. Where have I heard that before? (laughs) She said, you know, wind blowing through trees. <laughs> <laughs> it's like wind, like when it blows through the trees. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, ma'am. So Ed is talking about how he thinks he was slipped a Mickey the night before because he was on a stakeout, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And Jacques mm-hmm. Renault was tending bar. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said personally, that sounds like a little bit of revisionist history. Like maybe I'm trying to justify the fact that I got punched out by a kid, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. because he didn't look like he was going down. But of course, you know, yeah, this is done a year later. So, but I think, um, I don't know. <laughs> Something, Something right. I don't know what he was staking out though. Yeah. He didn't really specify. No, maybe we'll get True. into that later. So Cooper is recommending the lamplighter and Albert on his way up <laughs> so he can get some of that great pie and then we um have a model train choo choo going through (laughs) a giant one (laughs) giant model train in the middle of the grocery store the old kind of grocery store like in a small town general store store. yeah oh be still my heart (laughs) yes andrew when you introduced yourself you didn't say that you used to own a grocery store oh that was a previous life (laughs) but i did i did own a general store yeah it was great (laughs) Yeah, so Norma, did I say this? Norma runs into Nadine. Not yet. Um, so, yeah, Norma runs into Nadine. Awkward at the general store. <laughs> For me, it would be a meeting in heaven. <laughs> I want to talk to Nadine so bad. I know. We are Nadine stands in this household. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we won't hear a word yep. said about her. Okay, so Nadine is super excited about her drapes. <laughs> <laughs> was it sheer brown she's so, excited. <laughs> she's so excited she put up these drapes yesterday and yeah it was something like a <laughs> i can't remember what the color was um, it's like sheer brown or yeah. something so now she's trying to invent a noiseless completely silent drape runner and you mm. want to know what makes it work the thing she thought of at 4 a.m last night while she was waiting for her husband to get out of intensive care <laughs> I love that line. This is like she just switches on a dime. She's like so excited about these things, and then you can see like the intensity of her. Like, I know it was you, Norma. And, uh, <laughs> but cotton balls. Goddamn cotton balls. As she carries out a bag with five thousand cotton balls. <laughs> yes. 
Oh, kind of love the ambition. She just got those drapes up, and she's already like, I gotta rip them down and put some cotton balls in. <laughs> she's innovative. Yeah, she is. She's an inventor. Ed goes to collect James, and I don't know if you noticed, but they, there's like a little secret sign that looks like goes on between him and Hawk that might come into <gasps> no, I later. Yeah, I yeah. It's I'm one terrible. of those like little things that they just kind of stuck in there, but won't come up for a little while, but... When you go back and watch it, you'll be like, oh my God, <laughs> second episode. <laughs> his mom is still out of town. <laughs> I'm not sure what his mom does. I think that might be in the next She episode. writes for the paper sometimes. Yeah, there's something about her. She writes for something. That's I might have written that down somewhere. Sounds like she's a journalist. Yep. Or, I don't know. Or something. She didn't show up when her son got arrested, so. <laughs> Sketch. She had bold story. Yeah, I think there's something really sketchy about her. Yeah, she sometimes reads for the paper story. Uh-huh. We'll have to keep an eye out and see if we get any more of that backstory. James is like, I'm going to need a hand from the bookhouse, boys. And Ed says, we already got you covered. <laughs> Just to keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. <laughs> so um, Truman and Cooper talk to Bobby and Mike. <laughs> He's like sanding a whistle the whole time. Yes. <laughs> He says he's going to let them go, but warns them if anything happens to James, they are in trouble. And what do they do? Immediately go to Donna's house and it's like, we're going to kill him. <laughs> well, yeah, duh. You can only kill him once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. They're idiots. Yeah, they drive by Donna's house. That's about the extent of they're going to kill James. Um, <laughs> uh, Harry is like, I think I need to go to medical school, school because I'm starting to feel like Dr. Watson over here. <laughs> Well, we all know it's the Coop show, so. Well, yeah, he definitely came to town and was like, I'm the smart one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in charge. Okay, Pete is at his house cleaning some fish. Oh, he presumably Pete. got that morning. That's morning? <laughs> that morning. That's morning. <laughs> That's morning. Um, <laughs> Josie comes in on top of the morning to ya. <laughs> she thanks him for standing up for her with Catherine. Harry and Dale arrive to see Mrs. Packard, and she offers to pour them a cup of joe. (laughs) (laughs) Magic words. And Cooper says he likes his black as midnight on a moonless night. (laughs) (laughs) Pete's like, that's pretty black. (laughs) (laughs) So pretty black. Um, So they're basically wanting to know about her relationship with Laura. She says that Laura used to help teach her English twice a week, and that the last time she saw her on Thursday... Something was bothering her. They didn't really talk about it, but she said, I think I now understand how you feel about your husband's death. Mm. She said that has stuck in her mind. Yeah, so she goes away, and Cooper, in his all-knowing way, knows that Harry is seeing her. Shocking (laughs) Harry. (laughs) They've been together about six weeks, apparently. So it's still hot and heavy. Still pretty fresh. <laughs> uh, when she said that uh, Laura was teaching her English, I immediately thought, Laura is insanely busy for a teenager. <laughs> teaching English, helping with Audrey's brother, delivering meals. meals. Yep. Good Lord, lady. It might be like she's trying to fill her hours to distract her from something. Okay. Hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So then... Then we have the famous, there was a fish in the percolator. 
<laughs> Which, honestly, it may be my favorite line from this whole show. So I say that every week. There's, like, a new line, but this may be the one. <laughs> Back a long time ago when I was like, I should start a Twin Peaks podcast, I thought, oh, I'll call it The Fish in the Percolator. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, there's already one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's called? Fish in, in the Percolator? I'm pretty per- sure, yeah. Aww. I don't know if it's still around, but... Um, I don't think I ever listened to it. I just saw it. I was like, oh, well, I won't start a Pippin Peaks podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Which means it's a perfect title. Yep. So apparently um, this fish in the percolator came from Mm -hmm. a real incident in which David Lynch once drank coffee that had had a bar of soap in the percolator. (gasps) Ooh. Yeah. So we replaced it with fish. Yeah, even... mm, I don't know which is worse, soap or fish. Probably both are equally... I'm going to say fish because I, fish yeah. are gross. Yeah, but soap, like, burns your mouth. Yeah, but fish swim in their own filth. No, they don't. Yes, they do. <laughs> no, they, don't. <laughs> they don't have a separate lake they go to the bathroom in. Hey, there's so much water. <laughs> <laughs> Just to put it in my two cents, I would rather drink soap coffee than fish coffee. Yeah, you know? especially raw fish that's probably been sitting out for a while. <laughs> uh, well, it could have been. You never know. We have to find out. I looked up... <laughs> Where who put the fish in the percolator? And I saw a lot of interesting speculation, but um, I don't know that we should speculate because a lot of that speculation mm-hmm. was based on future things to come. Maybe we can come back to it once it's kind of been. But at this point, I'm tending to think it was just like Pete was just throwing fish around that morning and <laughs> accidentally <laughs> threw one in the wrong place. Mm. Um, Seems like a Pete thing to do. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> don't pick on Pete. No, I love no. Pete. I love Pete. He's just kind of like, you know. He's just like, you know. Oh, there's him. a fish and a percolator. Yeah, I love him so much. <laughs> there's sometimes that I look at him and I'm like, oh, that's a Henry Spencer face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long lost cousin. Okay. Keep my mouth shut. Okay. Okay. So then Catherine calls Josie. It's just to let her know that they lost $87,000 supposedly yesterday because she shut down the mill. I'm like, if you're making $87,000 in a day, I think you can't afford to shut it down for a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Josie did not seem very bothered by it, though. <laughs> she was just like, okay. She's like, what does shenanigans mean? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, this lady's crazy. Yeah. And Catherine clinks glasses with someone, which we're about to find out who. Um, <laughs> and Josie comes to ask, what are shenanigans? <laughs> <laughs> so the person that Catherine was clinking was Ben Horn, <gasps> which what? I guess we kind of already knew. Yeah, kind of. And they've been up to their own shenanigans. Mm, that's what you call it. Business and pleasure. They're all the same to Ben. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And they're like scheming basically to bankrupt the mill. They've been sabotaging the books. And now they're thinking of starting a fire at the mill. And that gets them very hot. Yeah, they have to. They got nothing better to do. Spend the rest of their afternoon for a while. Honestly. Ay, ay, ay. Donna goes to visit the Palmers. This is a sad scene. It is. And scary. She talks to Sarah, and Sarah is barely holding it together. They both (laughs) miss her so much. Mm -hmm. And Sarah sees Laura's face. Like, on Donna. Donna. And then she hugs her really tight, and Donna's like, oh, my God. (laughs) I'm supposed to not upset her. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, what did I do? (laughs) No. And then Sarah sees the 
like a vision of a man with long gray hair yeah crouched behind a bed and she screams and the music is terrifying it, yeah. is. it adds to it well, the imagery was so terrifying yeah. which i feel kind of bad saying because he was just crouching looking up at the camera he wasn't doing <laughs> yeah, anything sometimes i think about poor frank silva and how many dreams he has inspired <laughs> yeah. or nightmares i should nightmares. say <laughs> uh, but that scene was and so creepy yeah i can't yeah and we don't even like mention it the rest of the episode nope. it's just like this random vision she doesn't even explain it no but she it's just terrifying. screams about it i mean i don't think she can yeah it's definitely memorable we all remember it mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we go to the hospital where hawk is questioning ronette's parents Apparently, Ronette was a perfume sales girl at Horn's department store. Reminds me of Maisel. That's all I, th- that's all I, thought, of, that's all I thought about whenever they said that. Yeah, that is funny. Uh, <laughs> Hawk catches a glimpse in a mirror, though, of this one-armed man, mm-hmm. and he follows him, but he gives up, basically. I mean... I think he kind of, like, maybe doesn't want to, like, tail him to kind of give him give himself away kind of yeah and give himself that like maybe multiple people in the police department have kind of noticed him at this point yeah but he does notice that he goes towards the morgue yeah so or it's the like, oxygen room <laughs> or yeah <laughs> it's like, either way it's a weird way to go um but maybe they're just kind of like all right we're keeping tabs on this guy yeah they're definitely mm. keeping tabs on him um we haven't actually seen anyone have a conversation about him per nope. se but he um seems to they be did interest. see him in the hospital the day before mm-hmm. so sketch yeah. real sketch we're gonna have to keep an eye out for him so then we go to audrey and she's swaying <laughs> slash dancing <laughs> to the twin peaks theme <laughs> basically is it a little the, well it's not the twin peaks it's not the theme, theme but, but like uh the background it music audrey's theme. where it's very jazzy yeah um it's like this super like mellow jazzy music but apparently she's got it cranked up to like a (laughs) hundred i mean she's straight vibing in that room yeah she's dancing at her dad's office (laughs) and he comes in pissed off and turns off the music and he basically wants to know if she's responsible for the norwegians leaving and she's like um yeah basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just told him i was sad yeah and he kind of grabs her which i think this is a really interesting moment because she's not looking at him or acknowledging him she's just being you know kind of a aloof <laughs> yeah she's being her audrey self <laughs> mm-hmm. and he like turns her around and shakes her for about half a second and then he lets her go and just starts wagging his finger in her face mm-hmm. so i'm like he it's just like a moment where it's like you know he's mad and he's feeling angry and violent but he pulls himself back immediately yeah. and is like no this is not so mm. you know even though there's definitely problems with ben i'm like at least he's not a leo not abusive yeah he's <laughs> not leo in that way you're not physically abusive that's good <laughs> and she's also not terrified of at all <laughs> no not at all <laughs> yeah she actually says i'm so scared <laughs> and then immediately turns around yeah. <laughs> Um, and he does say something, though, that I think gets to her, because he says, yeah. Laura died two days ago, and I lost you years ago. Mm. <sighs> that cuts deep. Yeah. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> I just, I I mean, yeah, it, it looks like, like that affected her, but I don't know how deep it got. I mean, she looks like a space cadet. Yeah, you have, um, right off the bat, some issues with Audrey, so... Which is we'll have to see if she starts to grow confusing. on you. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe she's just got a lot going on. She's got a lot of emotional 
Well, they've all got a lot going on. Uh, for sure. Yeah, absent, true. Absent parents. And... Oh, she's definitely got... I mean, we know a lot about her family already just from the mm-hmm. first two episodes. That mm-hmm. Her mom does not have her shit together. She, <laughs> uh, she's got a, a brother who definitely has a disability and nobody cares about him. Mm-hmm. Um, her father only cares about money. Right. <laughs> and he's got some other issues. We'll find out soon. So... Yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yes. All right. Audrey's, you know, she's complicated. She's pretty well put together for someone with that much issues yeah. going on. Um, she's lucky in a lot of ways though, because you know she's got a lot of money and she's well taken care of. I must say, as far as we know, she's not doing heavy drugs. <laughs> That's true. Getting involved with CD stuff. Yeah. Much yeah. like some of the uh, younger. Yeah. Not younger, but more normal people are. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then we go to the Briggs house, and we get to see another family dynamic. And they are eating dinner, and Major Briggs, oh, he calls Bobby Robert the whole time, which is fun. (laughs) Um, He's saying, it's so hard to listen to what he's saying, because there's something about this speech that is so monotonous that it's really Mm -hmm. hard to wrap your head around what he's saying. It's so easy to zone out during it. But he's basically saying he understands that rebellion is a natural part of life, but he is required to contain that as a father <laughs> to a certain extent. Within the laws of the land. Yes. And Bobby, because he's a douche, puts a cigarette in his mouth and Major Carlton slaps it out of his mouth and straight into his mom's meatloaf. <laughs> like standing up straight. And she was like, great. I mean, you she... got to slap somebody real hard to make that happen. Yeah. yeah. I was just reading an article about, it's like a defense of Bobby. And it was talking about this scene and how they were assuming that because of this scene that they pro- there was probably other, you know, sort of hitting or mm-hmm. whatever kind of abusive stuff for Bobby. And I'm like, hmm. uh, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> but it seems like Bobby was asking for it. I yeah, mean, I know you're yeah. that maybe that's the wrong thing to say. Your kids don't aren't asking to get hit, but he, he put a cigarette in his mouth at the dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. <laughs> And he owes, uh, what, he owes Leo, to what, $20,000? Uh, yeah, Bobby is definitely not, um, yeah. he does not have his shit together right now. No. Yeah, but I still think, you know, it was kind of a violent thing. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it's definitely a difference from what we just saw with Ben, who, you know, pulled himself back from trying to be abusive. Mm, right. We see Leo later being horrible, Ugh. and uh, Major Briggs, you know. It's kind of between. Has a moment. Yeah, they, they have a moment. But I mean, oh God, what would I do if I had a son like Bobby? <laughs> probably I'd so be tempted to slap. Him yeah, too. you would slap the shit out of him. But what's so crazy is that, like, that family dynamic where his father is like having this like really weird conversation with him and is being very like tame, and then hits him, and then his mom's like, "We're here for you." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, Jesus!" Cool. After she picks the cigarette up. We're here for you, Bobby. (laughs) I was like, I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, but we'll definitely get some more insight into all of these relationships. Oh, for for sure. sure. So then we go to the double R. Um, Shelly is serving Cooper and Harry some non-fishy coffee. (laughs) (laughs) While they try to get the taste of the other coffee out of their mouths. The log lady is there. Yes. Cooper's like, the log lady. (laughs) (laughs) Just screams it across the counter. (laughs) But she doesn't seem that interested in them. Norma comes up. Cooper wants to know about Laura's work there with the Meals on Wheels. And she actually helped organize the entire program. A lot of free time. <sighs> yeah. Oh, my God. There's so much. 
It's like I almost want to do Firewalk with me already, but we got to take our time. We got to get there. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Cooper gets some pie and he loves it so much that he orders two more slices. <laughs> A man after my own heart. <laughs> I was thinking, how much, I mean, can you imagine being like, I love this pie so much. Don't forget the rest of my meals today. Just bring me two more slices of this. Yes. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine. <laughs> I might have a stomach ache the rest of the day, but it might be worth it. Worth it. It's fruit. <laughs> it's fruit. So then the log lady comes up and she says that her log saw something about what? Laura. What? And one day it will have something to say about that night. So many questions. And he says. She, and she says, he's like, um, can I ask about it? And she says, yeah, ask it. And, but he won't. And she said, I thought so. <laughs> Trust the log lady. I'm surprised at Cooper for not just jumping in with both yeah. feet. But... Yeah, it seems weird for him not to embrace the weird. Yeah. Well, well that is that is real weird. we got to wait for the next episode for him to start embracing the weird. <laughs> There's just, yeah. I feel like and this might not be like an actual connection to, between the two, but there's some sort of weird duality with the log lady and Laura's mom sarah mm. how they're both they seem to have some sort of like superstitious or supernatural supernatural like powers of some sort yeah wait does the log lady have supernatural powers well i don't know but they both seem to definitely be tapped in on like a deeper spiritual level, level. yeah like a root level log lady knows something i'm so intrigued a root level okay <laughs> <laughs> making my own puns so then the worst scene. Ugh, I can't. The worst scene. Hmm. I don't even know if it's the worst scene. The whole. No, it's probably not the worst scene in Twin Peaks. Okay, well, but it's definitely. One of <laughs> it's the worst one of the scenes. top five. So we we see Leo slicing up a football when Shelly comes home, and she brought him some pie. Being he, a sweet person. Yeah, she's being real nice when they walk in because he was supposed to come get some pie. Never I presumably never showed up because he was looking for a shirt all day. Yeah, he puts a bar of soap into a sock Ugh. and he asks about his shirt and she's like, I don't know what shirt you're talking about. He smacks the pie out of her hand and turns up the music and starts swinging this soap in a sock around his uh. head as Shetty, Shetty, Shelly just collapses cowers. and cowers in a corner. Ugh, so terrible. It's a terrifying scene and it's very sad. Mm-mm-mm. Just yeah. goes to show how much of a piece of shit he is. He's, oh. How could you do that to Shelly? Yeah, I thought his hair wasn't as um, curly in this episode, but it's still very curly. But it's yes. not like blonde like in the last episode. I feel like he looks so different. He looks a little bit like, not older, but like... He's like more filled out. His yeah. hair is more slicked back and darker. Mm-hmm. So. He just looks gross. Also, side note, like he looks like if I touched him... He looks like he stinks. My, my hand would be <laughs> He looks like a uh, tin of Crisco. Yeah. Um, so then we get yet another family dynamic going on. We're getting a lot of like, we're going into people's houses and seeing yes. what their lives are like. Home life. So James comes to dinner at Donna's house. Yes, and he looks so not bikery. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I was saying, there's something about Donna's house that I feel like looks like it smell like it has a certain smell to it i'm not saying it's a good or a bad like not yeah. necessarily a grandma smell but it's the kind of house that when you walk in you're like oh this is the donna house because yes. or the hayward's house because it has the hayward smell to it i agree i think it's the pink carpet <laughs> oh I... the, oh that was that was the pink house yeah okay yes. okay i think it's the carpet 
it's super like synonymous with like early 90s yeah i think it's the carpet everything seems super clean and in its place and i don't know she's got like this long <laughs> something about the whole i think scene. it's the I'm way like, it's like decorated i feel like this too. smells in a weird way <laughs> <laughs> a weird but like comforting way like a well like, like a musty yeah if it was like a house that you grew up in smell. you'd be like oh it smells like home but if yeah. you did it you might walk in and be like I gotta get used to this. They seem <laughs> like like when you walk into a house and someone has like a cinnamon broom. Yeah, it's or like, like a that kind jar of thing. Of like like you know, yeah. you're like, oh, that's them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So um, yeah. So he comes to dinner. I guess the sisters were not invited. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they gotta go eat somewhere else. Doc Hayward is asking about his parents. This is kind of a little bit reminiscent of a Razorhead. This scene. I mean, not yeah. in the weird way, but like. It's like it's the normal version. <laughs> <laughs> People weren't completely psycho. Yeah. So he says that his father's dead and his mom travels a lot and writes for the paper sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then James and Donna smile at each other and hold hands across the table. Aww. And then Bobby and Mike drive by and notice that James is at Donna's house and they say, too bad we can only kill him once. Curse my girlfriend. I just roll my eyes my at these two losers yuck. all the time. <laughs> well, it's like, it's so funny. I that... mean, they're like all bark and no bite. Oh, they yeah. even bark at him, and it's like, yeah, but. <laughs> We're being real just literal. Got your ass kicked by a bunch of bikers, dudes. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, sorry, I did cut you off. No, no, no. I was just saying, like, it's just so funny that they are, are like, just back to being extremely aggressive and, like, be like, oh, we're too bad we only kill him once. And it's like, well, even if they were being serious, it's like, Y'all are going to get arrested. Like, they, they <laughs> yeah. told you today. Yeah. You can't even harm one hair on his chin and chin or you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> exactly. So it's just like, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, but then they would break that whole, like, stereotypical uh, douchebags. of Idiot the football players. It, yeah. yeah. They have they have to maintain that certain level of dumb. <sighs> yeah, we need at least a week to adjust from all the douchery going on. <laughs> uh, come on. Come on, Bopper and Until snake. we can get on a good level. Okay. So then last scene, Dr. Jacoby. <gasps> Gross. First time we've seen him <laughs> this episode. He's a creep. <laughs> I agree. It's just so funny to listen because neither of these guys have really watched any of Twin Peaks except for what we've seen so far. So I'm really interested to see... Where, I mean, where, the, where they are. In Christian terms of was all these right. Characters. The first impression of this dude is real weird. Like, oh, for sure. Real They're, weird. I feel like they are definitely trying to make you think, yeah, he's probably the killer because he clearly was the one who. Okay, well, let me explain. This <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Go <through> the scene. <laughs> so he's listening to a tape that Laura made for him. She's saying, James is sweet, but he's dumb. Laura has, um, she's saying that she has a mystery man. And Dr. Jacoby takes a coconut off his tree and opens it and there is the necklace that james and donna what? buried so when we saw sarah scream and the hand reach for the necklace it must it have been him. him so he was like Maybe. hanging out in the woods looking for teenagers yeah, like, what a creep <laughs> yeah and then he looks at it and he cries because he cries. he's in love with laura or he's what? sad that she's dead or he's I mean, everyone's kind of in love weird. with Laura, I think, a little bit. I think she's got that, like, air about her. Yeah. But it's a little inappropriate for her to be sending secret tapes to an old man. <laughs> and then him to be <laughs> listening to them after she's dead and then crying with yeah. her half of the necklace. Well, I mean, I will say. With a half of the necklace. Appropriateness was a little less of a sticking point back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, considering. Also, 
there was a lot of inappropriateness going on in this town. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Especially yeah. with Laura. Well, okay. duh. And that's it for the recap. Is there anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. It's a good episode. Um, should we do our favorite moments? Sure. Mm-hmm. I'll go last. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to go first? Mm-hmm. I will pick one of my favorite moments is just Audrey in her dad's office swaying to the music yes. super loud and just not caring what her dad says, but also caring, you can tell. Mm-hmm. It really sets up Audrey as, this is a girl we need to know better. Mm-hmm. And her sweater was my favorite sweater. <laughs> yes. Still on I, this sweater. Her style is so good. Yeah. She gives me like major I like vi- her hair so much better this episode. Yes. Yeah, it looks so much better. I, she gives me like major vibes of like the girl who's like rebellious and is like I don't need anyone to like help me out but like secretly wants her parents to be yeah normal nice but she parents. still calls her dad daddy and you know yeah she wants to be I think have a good relationship yeah but, but also almost feels like she's doing it like on like ironically and like mocking him like, yeah daddy mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely. but it also feels like she has like half a screw loose also yeah like, but i but again i don't know i was <laughs> like compared to other everyone else in this town yeah true <laughs> well, we'll which see. speaking of screws loose uh we'll talk about my favorite scene with yeah. nadine oh, um uh, love her. I, <laughs> you know it was short it wasn't it wasn't more than like what a minute uh, uh her, her mm-hmm. but that whole conversation with the goddamn drapes was perfect yeah the eye patch just seals the whole deal she's got her hands full of cotton balls um i mean the whole scene is perfect and hysterical and i mean that was my favorite part of the entire episode Mm -hmm. i love it because it's kind of almost like what is she gonna say is she gonna because norma was out with her husband last night you know and it's almost like she knows but she doesn't know yeah norma the whole time her face is like I don't know if I'm annoyed or happy or relieved or, or what. Is she going to say something? Yeah. yeah. Are we just going to talk about drapes the entire time? Okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> yes. What's yours, Christian? Mine is the um, scene where Donna goes to visit Sarah, which was a heartbreaking scene, but it's just like, the, I can, like the slow buildup of like, you know, her being, they're both being super sad. And then she sees Laura's face and you're like, oh, that's even sadder. Like her best friend. And then we take a turn for the creep when we see Bob <laughs> for the first time crouching beneath, I would assume Laura's bed. Uh-huh. Just like staring up the camera creepily. And she starts freaking out because she can tell it's an evil presence. You love the scary scenes the best, <laughs> I <always>. do. <laughs> Although I thought you were going to pick Fish in the Percolator because I might have picked that myself. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so we'll just say that as our backup. Um, say, that's a general favorite scene. <laughs> yeah, that's just like one of the best scenes. It is. <laughs> it, I mean, it's not even the whole scene. It's when Pete comes in and says, there was a fish, fish. in the Percolator. <laughs> like, can you believe it? He's <laughs> just delightful. Oh, I love but, him. One thing I love about the um, the Bob scene is like I can imagine like back in the day when this for episode first aired and people were watching it live and they get a first glimpse of Bob and I can imagine people being like who is this like I know. like coming out of left field no yeah. one knows and we don't know anything about him yeah they're like oh my god we have to watch next week exactly mm-hmm. screw cheers <laughs> <laughs> what a perfect like little grab yeah I just love it. <laughs>
deep dive. Ooh. This week I picked, this was so hard because it's like, there's only main characters in this episode mm-hmm. and they all have so far to go that I really did not want to like get into any of them. Right. But I picked the, one of the biggest ones anyway, because <laughs> I figured Most loved we could that. talk about his past without having to worry too much about his future. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Harry S. Truman, the <laughs> sheriff. Um, I thought I'd start by saying a little bit about Michael Omkeen, who was mm-hmm. who played him. He is Canadian. He's a Canadian actor. And he went to the University of New Hampshire on a hockey scholarship. Ooh. Yep. Okay. He did really well and on his hockey team, apparently. I don't know anything about <laughs> hockey, but it looked like he did well. He actually began his acting career by guest starring on The Partridge Family. Oh, okay. And his breakout role was in a hockey-based TV series called The Rookies, where he played the lead. It's appropriate. So you're saying he wasn't on The Nanny and didn't play Mr. (laughs) Sheffield. No. (laughs) That's the only thing I ever see him as. (laughs) No, he was in in several movies um, in, like, the 80s and 90s, including one called Clara's Heart with Whoopi Goldberg. Which I think I might have seen. That's the only one I wrote down because that was the only one I thought I might have seen. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Uh, But Twin Peaks was definitely his biggest thing. Oh, for sure. He continued to work in television through the 90s. His last role was in the movie The Descendants in 2011, uh, which was filmed in Hawaii where he lives. That movie Uh, is a really weird movie to me because I feel like somebody took my life, (laughs) put it in a blender, and then turned it into that movie. (laughs) I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's got yeah. George Clooney. Um, yeah. I won't get into it because... Oh, sad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he did not reprise his role in The Return or Season 3. Oh. And it is unclear why. Lame. So, the character, Harry S. Truman. He, and most of this, I think, comes from the secret history of Twin Peaks. It comes from like some sort of something that was written between the the seasons uh-huh. um he was born in twin peaks to frederick truman who was the sheriff at the time uh-huh. he also had an older brother named franklin he was named after the president but there was <laughs> no other relation he was the quarterback of the all-star high school football team in 1968 alongside his brother frank big ed hurley hawk hank jennings and thad toad barker who we have not met yet Whoa. oh what? and jerry horn what is his name that last one uh, <laughs> tad Cad? Thad, Thad. Thad toad barker so there's a character named toad Eventually. we they talk about a lot i think we meet him a couple times throughout the series but um yeah he was on this team too and jerry horn Good Lord. which i mean we're about to meet jerry horn in the next episode i'm like he's a football player i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> maybe he was a bench warmer yeah, maybe. But it said they were all on the starting lineup mm-hmm. of the all-star high school football. Maybe he was like a running back or something. Maybe. Or, um, or maybe the... What are the little ones? Oh, you're asking They're the wrong person. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. But maybe football was really different in the 60s. <laughs> oh, I'm sure high school, you can get away with some. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like up Especially in the, in the corner of Washington. I would say in the middle of nowhere. So uh, the character uh, attended Washington State College and then returned to Twin Peaks to carry out his lifelong ambition of entering public service. Mm -hmm. And in 1981, he was promoted from deputy to sheriff following his brother and father before him. 
Oh. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of weird to me that his brother played on the football team with him, but still was sheriff before him. But maybe. I guess maybe. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. And maybe he <laughs> I think had I'm just more talent for more. the craft yeah. of police work. Yeah. Possible. Here's just a little that they do talk about in the return, but the reason given for him not coming back to the return was that in 2016, he was diagnosed with cancer and oh, secretly no. underwent treatment at a research hospital in Seattle while pretending to have simply retired. Hmm. His brother, Frank, was the only one aware of his illness and returned to Twin Peaks to once again serve as sheriff. Hmm. Oh. So that was how they explained him not coming back. They had a um, Robert Forrester played his brother. Okay. Okay. So, and then I have a little bit, he's considered the straight man of Twin Peaks. And I just wrote down a little bit about what a straight man is. <laughs> I think straight we all man, know what they are. <laughs> yeah, a stock character in comedic and comedy performances, especially double X. I do think it was funny that back in the vaudeville days, the straight man always, his name would always appear first and he would get 60% of the take to help take the sting out of not being the laugh getter. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Although I think he gets plenty of laughs, you know, he did, um, when he stuffed that donut in his yeah. mouth and mm-hmm. all. <laughs> I thought it was funny. And that whole little, like, weird moment where Cooper called him out for seeing... Josie. Mm-hmm. That, like, that weird little awkward moment I thought was hysterical because he was like, oh, six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Super embarrassed. Yeah. But in, like, a town of... <laughs> In a town of super kooky cookies, and Cooper being one of the kookiest, you know, he's, he's definitely the, the straight man of the town. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so for sorting him, it was a little bit difficult. I found an article from yourtango.com, our new mm-hmm. favorite astrology site, on the most dependable signs. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking through that, and I decided for him probably a Libra. Okay. And Libra is also a rule by the scales, which are represent justice. So I, that is appropriate. That feels right. Mm. But it says Libras can seem kind of flighty and superficial, but they keep their promises. If you ask a Libra for help, they're going to do whatever they can to help you. They're also very caring and giving and are interested in making sure that people in their lives are happy and healthy. A Libra will be able to see things from your perspective and will stand up for you. There's no better advocate than a Libra and they take their ties to other people seriously. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, I was also kind of thinking maybe he could be like a, a fire sign, like an Aries or a Leo, um, or even an earth sign. But, you know, I decided on Libra. So <laughs> it seems let me know fitting. what you think. And as for Harry Potter, I thought Gryffindor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without was, a doubt. I was thinking also like maybe Hufflepuff, because aren't Hufflepuffs reliable? Yeah, that's true. But he has a, a you know, a, a, valiant brave, a brave spirit. Kind of, yeah. yeah. He'll, he'll walk into danger. Yeah, I like Gryffindor, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the easy part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and final thoughts? Um, I like this, this episode. episode. Yeah. It was really good. It was really creepy. and We didn't do our first impressions. That's what we missed at the beginning. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to wait until we wrapped up and be like, we should do this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, let's just put our first impressions and final thoughts in the same. Okay. Like right here. We'll just put it here. Sorry, mm-hmm. guys, it's a little out of order this week, but... Yeah, just <laughs> switching it up. That's what happens when you don't all. write an outline. <laughs> <laughs> just winging it. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, obviously, first impression, fun episode. Yeah. Getting a lot of... We're getting, like you said, more answers, but more questions. Uh-huh. Mm. And uh, it was really good. I was hooked from beginning to... I didn't feel like a... F- 
long episode at all. It was like super quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then final thoughts. We're so used to these hour and a half, two hour things. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, that like forty five minutes. Like whoa, <laughs> I was that like, was that the last was, scene. Okay, I, I blinked. <laughs> uh, and final thoughts. It was it was a good episode. It was really fun, really creepy. Yeah, which I always appreciate. Yeah, and I'm ready to find out more about Log Lady and Bob. Yeah, I need more. <laughs> Yep, sounds about right. That's about where the rest of America was at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Log Lady and Bob carry this goddamn series. Yeah, my first impression was that this is this was kind of where things were starting to sauce up a little bit more. Uh, we got to see a lot more like interactions between you know the families, but like things were getting more complicated. But also, you were kind of feeling like you started to know the characters more, which mm-hmm. was good. And then you know for the for the final thoughts, it just is more questions like, what the hell is up with Log Lady? What the hell is up with her log? I have... Everyone wants to know about the Log Lady. <laughs> like, why are we asking... Why are we going to talk to a log? Are you... Do you have superpowers? But then also, what's going on with everybody else? Like, I have more questions than when I started the episode. So, like, it's good that we're getting more... We're getting to know these people better and start to see the dynamics between everybody, but... At the same time, can we give Log Lady more screen time? Can we give Nadine more screen time? Like the people who are carrying this episode. Um, <laughs> Log Lady's so an enigma. That's my. We you will know, definitely get more from them. I, Don't that's worry. my final. That's my final thought. Is just can we have more screen time to the people we actually want to see? <laughs> I think you're probably in the minority. For, uh, most people want to see Audrey. They want to yes. see Cooper. <laughs> I want a Log Lady spinoff. Okay. But don't worry, we're definitely gonna get plenty of Log Lady. We'll get plenty of Nadine. It's all coming, but we gotta yes. take our time to get there. It's a patient. Yes. Slow burn. Fine. <laughs> Jane Austen and David Lynch. It's all about savoring every moment. <laughs> the slow burn. I guess. Uh, well. I can't, it's so hard for me to say first impressions for anything that we do on this podcast because Mm -hmm. I've seen, it was always so long ago that my first (laughs) impression was, but I would say probably was something like, I can't wait till next week (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because I was already in love. But for me, what I really like about this episode is really getting to see all the different family dynamics that are going on and comparing them and seeing how all the parents deal with their kids, getting to know that Cooper can, like, how good of a detective he is, that he can just, like, suss out random personal relationships. Mm. Yeah, I was a little, like, where's Lucy, personally? Where's Andy? Where's all these other, you know, obviously, we're not going to get all the characters every time, but, I mean, I could have done without Donna and James. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a lot of people say that, but we need the soapiness. Yeah, no, they're great. They're great. Still at this point, Donna and James are good. And, you know, it's good to see their family and to know James doesn't even have a family. I mean, it's basically, Ed, yeah. basically. So, yeah. All right. Recommendations? Yeah. Yeah. What's... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> Let's say I'm ready if anyone else needs You can time. go first, yeah. Okay. My recommendation for this week is going to be a podcast. Uh, it's called And That's Why We Drink. It is <laughs> It is a... Oh, sounds funny. <laughs> yes. It is hosted by Em and Christine, and it is a half like paranormal story, supernatural, 
creepy stuff, and then the other half is true crime. Oh, nice. Um, and I just... Uh, I like my, both of those. Yeah, my friend Jen at work <laughs> turned me on to them, and I just, like, kept listening to episodes, because it's, like, this... What's it called again? And That's Why We Drink. And That's Why We Drink. Okay. Yes. I'm going to have to listen to that one. It's a good one. There are lores that I never knew about, like giant otter people. And Ooh, <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> it's just really interesting. And then, you know, a lot of the uh, true crime stuff is stuff, the stuff I never heard about. And then they, like the stuff I have, it's more in depth. Oh, yeah. Like I just finished an episode where it kind of like the paranormal stuff blended into the true crime. They did the um, Emmettyville Horror. Oh, the, yeah. The yeah, whole yeah. entire story about the murder before. And I then, love that story. It's really... I never know what to believe, but I just love the whole story. It's <sighs> really creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, their Em's um, recount of the like the paranormal aspect after the murders happened uh-huh. is terrifying. <laughs> she gives details that I don't remember yeah, from the movie. And... I read the book a long time ago. Yeah, I never read the book. I want to read it now. <laughs> but just the things that she recounted are so... One of those perfect um, books to get from a garage sale. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> seems like, like yeah. that. 10 cents. <laughs> um, and then there's this, the last thing I'll say about it, there's this one photo that they took after the Letts family moved out because they were scared. Um, these like paranormal investigators came and they like went in the house and there's a photo taken and there's a child in the photo oh. and right. it looks just like one of the murdered DeFeo children. <sighs> and it was Locker on, f- kid. <laughs> it could not be altered because it was taken on film. Ah, so it's well, like, that's not entirely true. Yo, that gives me goosebumps right Film now. Film can be altered, but... <laughs> you know, it just looks super, super, yeah. like, part of the whole thing. Yeah. It just looks... It's apparently, like, known as one of the closest things we have to proof of Ooh, something I've never seen that one. It's terrifying. Yeah, well, okay, I'm going to check that out for sure. It's good. Jeez. Do you want to do your recommendation? Um, yeah, so okay. uh, my recommendation is an album. Uh, probably one of my... Add it to the playlist. One of my favorite albums got me through a lot of hard times, but there are very few albums that I listen to all the way through. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people who will listen to one song on one album and not like the rest of them. So, (laughs) um, but there are a few albums that I listen to all the way through, and this is one of them. Uh, The band is called Turnover, and the (laughs) album is called Peripheral Vision. It's got the same kind of feel throughout the whole album. It is very chill. It's very kind of like um, punk, but not like, not hardcore punk. Very slow, melodic, um, (laughs) but it is super chill, super awesome. One of my favorite albums of all time. Good for background music. The whole thing? Oh, the whole, yeah. (laughs) Every every song on here is gold. Um, And if you don't agree, you're wrong. Um, (laughs) But it is a really good album. I recommend it highly to everybody. The rest of their albums are also good, but Peripheral Vision is the best. All yeah. right. We've got to put it on our, so, our we'll playlist. We'll add to the playlist and check it out. All right. For this week, I am going to recommend a website. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently became a patron of theirs, and I've been following them since they, I think they started back um, when the Twin Peaks The Return was coming out. Mm-hmm. It's called 25 Years Later Site. I think the site might be, oh, I don't know if it's 25 years later spelled out or if it's T25YL. Anyway, just type in 25 <laughs> years later, you will find it. They do all sorts of, they've now branched out into doing all sorts of different TV. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is kind of tangentially um, uh, David Lynch related, although I have seen a couple of Jane Austen articles on there. Ooh. So I was like, yeah, these people are. <laughs> they <laughs> get it. <laughs> 
yeah, they, they've got tons of theories. They've got tons of interviews. If you just really want to like get into some Twin Peaks or other television stuff, um, look it up. Actually, we know someone who writes for it. Miles Hughes. Do you uh, know Miles? Uh, I know the name. Oh, I did a show with him um, several years ago. The mm-hmm. um, the Simpsons one. What's it called? Mr. Uh, Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns. Yes. Post electric play. <laughs> that was a fun show. Uh, we did that, and I I became a patron of them. And I was looking up their writers, and I was like, Oh my God, Miles writes. <laughs> How do I not know this? <laughs> Yeah, so maybe um, we can have him on the podcast sometime. Although I think he told me once he didn't like David Lynch. So what? Uh... But he writes, maybe maybe things have changed. You know, people's yeah. opinions change. To... Their tastes change. Yeah. Maybe he's a more of a Jane Austen guy. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely check out their um, site. They've got a lot of interesting stuff yeah, on there. Sounds interesting. Yeah. And uh, next week we are doing. Oh wait, first we should probably say how you can get in contact with us. <laughs> Uh, okay so if you want to email us our gmail is managed at madness at gmail.com our instagram is please email us <laughs> <laughs> we always appreciate any sort of messages we get yes um our instagram is at managed of madness pod twitter is at managed madness and our website is managed yes and on the website you can even leave a voice message if you would like say super easy and yeah much easier than typing yes <laughs> Uh, yeah, and if you're watching Twin Peaks and reading Northanger Abbey along with us, we want to hear from you especially because yes. we want to know anybody who's doing both at the same time with us. Yeah. And, yeah, so next week we are doing chapters 7 through 9 of Northanger Abbey. And then the week after that we will be doing episode 3 of Twin Peaks. Yeah. That's super exciting. Episode three Yay. called episode two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be go. an ongoing problem. <laughs> but um, that's it for tonight. Awesome. Thanks for being with us, Andrew. Yes. You're welcome. Oh, thank you, Thanks Andrew. for having me back. Do you want to tell people where they can get in contact with you? You don't even do social media, really. I don't. Um, but, you know, for any reason that you want to see, like, nice pictures of fruits and vegetables and flowers, um, Andrew's Homestead uh, is my handle on Instagram. Mm-hmm. also a lot of rando stuff on there and like feel good motivational posts um <laughs> but yeah i just bop around um nothing bopper, really yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bopping around uh it's kind of Way the theme for this year it's just kind of winging it you know but yeah thanks for having me back uh, thanks for coming back yeah yeah you're gonna have to you know be our crossover listen yeah <laughs> we're, i'm definitely coming back for another episode of twin peaks because I yeah. have feelings about Log Lady and Nadine. <laughs> There's something there, and I don't know what it is. So I just have to, I just have to stay tuned to find yeah, out I'm more. I'm gonna try to convince him to read uh, Northanger Abbey. So it's super easy. Yeah, it's super. Guys, read it along with you. You're gonna <laughs> love it. I promise. <laughs> super easy. Well, All I'm right. here for the long run. So thanks for having me back. Oh, yeah. thanks for being with us. <laughs> and that's it. We should probably wrap this up because it's getting a little long. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see y'all next week. All right. Good night. See ya. (laughs)